Welcome to this month's edition of Policy for the People, collaboration between the Oregon Center for Public Policy and KMUZ. When COVID-19 pandemic arrived, much of the economy shut down abruptly. Businesses closed, many workers were laid off. It looked like we were falling into an economic abyss. But things have turned out differently. The latest Oregon economic and revenue forecast makes this clear. To discuss these developments, I am joined by Oregon Center for Public Policy Communications Director Juan Carlos Ordonez. Hello, Juan Carlos. How are you doing today? I am doing just fine, Ken. Thank you very much. Juan Carlos, what are the state analysts saying about the current state of Oregon's economy? Well, what the state economists are saying is that the economy is growing rapidly. It, it's, uh, it's showing a lot of strength right now. Um, and maybe just to provide listeners a little bit of context here, by sta- when I say state economists, I mean the Oregon Office of Economic Analysis. And every quarter, the Office of Economic Analysis presents to lawmakers its outlook on the state economy and revenue collections, tax, tax collections. And this helps uh, lawmakers prepare the state budget and make uh, decisions regarding Oregon's finances. So last month, uh, the state economists uh, uh, went to Salem and presented, uh, well, actually, they appeared virtually, but they presented their, more, uh, their most recent forecast. And like I said, the, the main message was that Oregon's, Oregon's economy is doing quite well right now. So, for example, they said, uh, quote, the outlook for near-term economic growth is the strongest in decades, if not generations, unquote. Uh, they also said that, uh, that while the job market has yet to fully recover, it is expected to fully recover by, toward the end of next year or early 2023. And maybe more, more amazing, um, average incomes are higher now, or at least as of March of this year, um, than they were before the start of the pandemic, uh, when you factor in the money that people have received from from the various federal stimulus packages. Um, but even if you take out those uh, federal those those federal checks, um, those temporary federal measures, average income is basically back to where it was uh, pre-pandemic. So uh, you know this is a really remarkable turn of events. Um, you know when you think about. The fact that a little over a year ago, uh, the pandemic uh, brought much of the economy to a screeching halt, and we were, at the time, looking at the biggest economic crash since the Great Depression. So what accounts for such a huge turnaround? Well, I think that what explains the turnaround can be summed up in two words, um, federal policy. I mean, the federal government, both Congress and the Federal Reserve, have taken wide-ranging and and really unprecedented steps to shore up the economy. And in many ways, it's been really successful. So the Federal Reserve took a bunch of steps to stabilize the financial system, uh, you know, to keep money flowing through the economy and and to prop up businesses. And but Congress really played a, a key role here. Congress, uh, as listeners will know, passed uh, several stimulus packages, uh, and together these added up to about a trillion dollars over the course of less than a year. Uh, And these 
stimulus packages put a lot of money directly into people's pockets. Um, so if we're talking, for example, about the stimulus checks that most people received um, directly. Uh, so people will sort of understand what we're talking about here. It also includes uh, enhanced and expanded unemployment insurance um, and also the the Paycheck Protection Program, which was a program of, of loans provided to businesses uh, and loans that, from in many instances, ultimately turn into grants. Um, so all of these forms of direct income supports by the federal government are, are really one of the main reasons why you know, as I mentioned before, average incomes today are are higher, about 20% higher than they were uh, before the before the start of the pandemic. I think it's also fair to say that uh, all of these measures by by the Fed and, and Congress, you know, help has helped fuel a, a stock market boom, which boosts the income of those who own stocks. You know, <laughs> who are mainly the rich, but um, you know that also helps explain why average uh, incomes uh, are up. Well, is there a lesson to be learned here? Yeah, I think that a key lesson is that good public policy can can really improve the lives of our people. The stimulus packages weren't perfect by any means. Uh, so, you know, some of those stimulus packages that Congress passed contained, um, you know, wasteful tax giveaways to the rich. Uh, and, you know, that, that often happens. <laughs> uh, but on the whole, uh, you know, the packages that Congress put together, the policies enacted, mainly focused on shoring up low- and middle-income families. And, and those policies have really helped to l- help lead to this uh, remarkable economic turnaround. So I, I take it everything is pretty rosy when it comes to the economy. <laughs> I, uh, I wish. Uh, you know, the reality is, is actually, no, things are, are not all rosy. Uh, I mean, they, they look better than they did a year ago, for sure, um, but that's that's I think a far cry from saying that everything's fine, you know. For I mean, for one, there's still a, uh, a fair amount of uncertainty when it comes to the economy. I mean, if if you think about it, it's been a a really unusual recession and also a very unusual recovery. So, you know, just you know, it would seem that some caution is 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 in order here, um, but. Apart from that, I mean, it's also clear that not everyone has fared equally during this during this recovery. So, as I mentioned before, unemployment uh, remains elevated, and some groups are faring worse than than others in in, in that respect. Um, so, when you look at the data, we see that um, mothers uh, have faced serious obstacles in returning to work. You know, the uh, as we all know, the pandemic uh, kept kids out of the classroom and had them learning from home. And, and in this society, and, uh, women continue to shoulder the lion's share of child care responsibilities. So um, women are having a much harder time uh, going back to work compared to dads. Uh, we also know that um, job losses have been concentrated in low-wage sectors, such as uh, the leisure and hospitality industry. Um, in other words, uh, restaurants, hotels, and the like. The workers in these sectors have, have really been hit much harder than, than, than other workers, uh, and they have yet to, to fully recover. And it's also, you know, important to remember that the massive income supports provided by the federal government um, have bypassed some workers and families. So 
in particular, undocumented workers have been excluded, completely excluded from unemployment insurance, and they did not receive a single penny from the from the stimulus checks. So, again, it's a recovery that has not been uh, shared equally, uh, for sure. And I think that, and, and maybe on top of all that, if, if, if I can just say a little bit more on this topic, it's really important to emphasize that simply returning to the economy as it was prior to the start of the COVID recession really should not be the goal here. I mean, the economy prior to the recession was one where there was widespread economic insecurity and vast economic inequality. And it was also an economy where, due to policies past and present, uh, Oregonians of color endured far, far worse economic outcomes pretty much by any measure that you care to look at, you know, poverty rates, income, wealth, and so on. So, you know, these these bigger economic challenges, these fundamental economic challenges haven't gone away. And ultimately, the issues of economic insecurity, economic inequality, and and the unequal economic outcomes by race remain the most pressing challenges that we face as, as a state and, and, and nation. We're taking this short break to invite you to subscribe to our podcast for free. Find Policy for the People on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the show. Let's focus now on the revenue part of the Oregon Economic and Revenue Forecast. For listeners who may be unfamiliar with it, can you give us a basic explanation of what the revenue forecast is? Yeah, the revenue forecast uh, tells us how much tax revenue Oregon is collecting and, and to the best of the state economist's ability, how much revenue will come in over the next few years. And, and this is really, a, a really important. <laughs> uh, it, it tells us whether the state will have the resources uh, to pay for schools, health care services, and all the other services that we, that we collectively fund through the Oregon state budget. So what did the last revenue forecast look like? Well, like the economic picture, the, the revenue picture looked dramatically better than it did a year ago. I mean, a huge turnaround. Uh, the economic forecast a year ago predicted that the state would be collecting about $2 billion less uh, in taxes than what was expected. Um, and, and that scenario was really uh, threatening, uh, you know, cuts to schools and, and other essential services, the kinds of cuts we've seen in past recessions only possibly worse this time because it was such a huge revenue shortfall. Um, but as we, as we discussed before, things have, uh, you know, turned out very differently than what was initially expected. So tax collections have been actually coming in at a pretty good clip. Um, you know, incomes are up, personal income, t- and so that means that personal income tax collections have been strong. Also, the, uh, the stock market has been booming uh, and so people who own stocks have, uh, and if they've, cashed, you know, they've sold their stock, they have capital gains income to report, and that further increases personal income tax collections. And also, we see, uh, you know, pretty much during the, throughout the pandemic, it turns out that corporate profits have remained, you know, pretty strong. Again, uh, against, uh, you know, contrary to what we, what folks initially believed and, and we thought. Uh, so that has also boosted uh, corporate income tax collections. So. So rather than confronting a big revenue shortfall, as was expected, there's actually more revenue coming in than what state economists were 
expecting, you know, before the start of the budget period. And in fact, the latest revenue forecast uh, leaves pretty much no doubt that Oregon's kicker law will be triggered. And so right now it looks like it will be a $1.4 billion kicker, which is a, which is a pretty huge kicker. Yeah, can you remind listeners what the kicker is? Yeah, the kicker is, in essence, an unplanned uh, tax rebate that mainly benefits uh, the richest Oregonians. Uh, so the, the kicker law requires that when revenue comes in 2% or more above what, above what state economists projected two years before, the entire amount of unanticipated revenue, and I'm not talking here just about the amount above the 2% threshold, but rather the entire amount is sent back to taxpayers. And so uh, the tax rebates are basically doled out proportionally to tax liability. So that means that the richest taxpayers get the, the biggest tax rebates. You know, I wasn't living here in Oregon uh, when this came about, the kicker. And so maybe you could give us a little bit of history about when it happened and, and maybe a little bit about why. Yeah, so the kicker is a policy that dates back to, I believe, like the late 70s or early 80s. It was initially enacted by the legislature. Um, and, if, and if we think about it, that is the time when an anti-tax movement really begins to uh, gain steam, uh, both in Oregon and, and throughout the nation. Um, and not just an anti-tax, but an anti, anti-government movement as well. Uh, so the kicker fully fits within those efforts to really debilitate uh, public services. Eventually, the kicker gets referred to, to voters. Um, and the kicker is, it's a complicated policy that seems like, oh, you're going to get a check. And so it, 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 it's politically, it's appealing, even though it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it can really be, it can be really harmful policy. Uh, so, um, but ultimately, this this measure was referred to voters, I, I believe, in the year 2000, um, and so it got elevated into Oregon's constitution. So it is really a big uh, structural impediment that we have in our tax system. So I take it you don't think the kicker is a good public policy? <laughs> it's uh, it's terrible public policy. It's, it, I, I'd say it's one of the worst tax policies that we have on the books uh, here in Oregon. You know, I mean, if you think about it. It's a policy that's based entirely on an unrealistic view of the world. I mean, we're asking state economists to predict how much revenue is going to come in uh, in two years' time uh, and to get it right within a 2% margin of error. And that's just a, that's just a setup for, for failure. Uh, state economists, uh, they do really good work. They're very diligent public servants. Um, but no one has a crystal ball that good. I mean, you're asking them to do, uh, you know, an exceedingly difficult task. So, you know, you're asking them to predict the behavior of global, national, and state economists, you know, years into the future, and then connecting that to how much uh, revenue, you know, is going to be generated from millions of Oregonians. So, again, it's it's an, it's you're asking them uh, uh, to do something incredibly difficult and. And so most of the time, they get it wrong, uh, not surprisingly. Uh, so over the last uh, 19 budget periods, the kicker has been triggered 13 times. So they get it wrong most of the time. <laughs> Again, not surprisingly. Um, and so what this does, what the kicker ultimately 
does is to make our tax system, our system of revenue, more unstable. It takes away the opportunity to save revenue generated during good economic times uh, to be available during the bad economic times. And the reality is that we can't always count on the federal government to do what's right, what needs to be done during economic downturns. Uh, We've seen that in past recessions when uh, Congress failed to step up uh, adequately. Uh, Fortunately, this time, Congress really did come through with, uh, with policies that turn around uh, the, the economy, but we can't always count on that. And in fact, during the last recession before the COVID recession, during the, the so-called Great Recession of, of 2008 and 2009, right as we were, headed, were heading into that recession, the state sent out a, over a billion dollars worth of kicker rebates. Um, just as the economy was beginning to slide into that that very that great recession, uh, and so what we saw was uh, we saw deep budget cuts, uh, teacher layoffs, overcrowded classrooms, services cut to vulnerable seniors and, and foster children and, and whatnot. A whole lot of budget cuts that, that were incredibly painful um, and really hit at the worst possible times. And, and that's and that's not the only case. I mean, the kicker has kicked. And, you know, just before or even during past recessions. So it makes the system more unstable. The kicker is structured to give the biggest tax rebates to the most well-off. So in the kicker that looks to be headed this way, the projections are that the the richest 1% of Oregonians will get a kicker worth about almost $13,000. Meanwhile, the the lowest earning fifth of Oregonians, the, the lowest earning 20% of Oregonians, are going to get a kicker worth about 25 bucks, so practically nothing. Ultimately, I mean, giving a big fat check to the rich it really doesn't serve any good public purpose. I mean, it's not going to stimulate the economy because the rich already have plenty of money to spend. And it's not going to increase the economic security of Oregonians because the rich who get the biggest kicker checks are, are already secure. So instead, what the kicker does really is, um, is worsen economic inequality. But it does sound like we dodged a bullet by the federal government stepping in this time. But like you pointed out, that's not always going to be the case and hasn't been the case in the past. So in your view, what should Oregonians do about the kicker? Should we change it somehow? What would be your uh, recommendation? Well, yeah, we think it's high time, uh, long past due, that we, uh, we as Oregonians rethink this policy to, to really rethink the kicker. So one option certainly would be to just eliminate the kicker. Um, and so we could take those uh, unanticipated revenues and put them, save, and save them into the state's rainy day fund so, so that those resources are available during recessions, uh, you know, to ensure that we keep teachers in the classrooms and keep all vital public services going during, during recessions. Uh, another approach, though, would be different. Uh, you know, we could, uh, we could decide to keep the kicker in place, but simply change the formula by which we distribute those tax rebates. So, as I mentioned before, right now the rich get a huge check. Um, those in the middle get, you know, a relatively small amount, and those at the bottom get practically nothing. So if we just took the same of 
amount of money um, and distributed distributed equally, um, you know, not dissimilar to the stimulus checks that the federal government sent, where it sent an equal amount to everybody. Um, under that scenario, uh, those in the bottom and middle would get significantly more money than they do now. They would it would be much better, um, much more equitable. You know, just to give you a sense, um, you know, the the projected kicker is going to be about 1.4 billion dollars. Um, the average kicker uh, will be about $636, but that's the average. You know, about 80% of Oregonians are going to get less than the average um, because so much of the of the kicker money is flowing to the top. So much uh, that the rich are getting such a huge share of kicker dollars that it really skews the average. Um, so just distributing the kicker equally would put more money in the pockets of those in the middle and and the bottom, you know, it would put money in the pockets of those who need it most. Well, not only that, but it puts it right back into the state economy. And, you know, it, it, I, I forget the who said it, but they said, you know, the rich can only buy one washing machine. <laughs> you know? And so you're kind of limited. But whereas people at the lower end, if they got a check for, say, in this case, like around $600, they would use it on necessities and, and things that they really need, which I think was kind of borne out by these stimulus checks that people did get. That is an absolutely accurate observation. So um, is there anything that we haven't covered that uh, you th would like to raise at this point? I think it's good to uh, reemphasize that, you know, one of the key lessons of the past year is that, you know, good public policy can make all the difference. You know, without the massive federal policies that we saw, uh, the recession uh, would be much longer and much more painful than, than what it's been. It's already been a, a very difficult trying times for families, but we would be in a much worse situation had it not been for the very effective public policies, uh, especially at the federal level that we've seen. So, you know, what we need to do now is use the same kind of bold approach to, you know, address the economic challenges uh, that remain, that, and the economic challenges that preceded the, the COVID recession. Um, so we need robust federal and state action to tackle the fundamental problems of economic insecurity, economic inequality, and, and racial disparities. Well, I think this recent example of the federal policies kind of brought home the importance of at least the federal government um, to people. You know, and, and like you were pointing out in the late 70s, there was this uh, kind of tax revolt, uh, you know, on higher taxes and like that. But now maybe people will see what the benefits are, which aren't always obvious. Yes, I think that that is, that is the hope going forward that perhaps this trying experience uh, that we've all gone through um, can see, you know, help us uh, see the way forward, um, showing what can work, uh, what does work, and the fundamental role that, that good government can play in all our lives. Thank you for joining us today. Oregon Center for Public Policy Communications Director Juan Carlos Ordonez. Thank you for listening to Policy for the People. Please remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite app.